love it. Prone to wonder. God, I feel it. Prone to leave the one that loves me. Thanks for leading us, brother, wherever you are, in those songs. Uh, powerful. <clears throat> I'm not a preacher. Uh, definitely not. I I tried to dress at least up enough. I'm hoping I'm up to code, not to get um, booed off stage. But uh, no, I, if I do fall on my face today, I, I'm 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 very comfortable with it. My grandmothers are here. And so I cannot fail in their eyes. <laughs> I, uh, no, I am from here. We just moved back here a year ago. And although I'm not a preacher, I do love to talk about what Christ has done for us, what God has done on our behalf. And so I've met with Matt a couple of times. We've uh, prayed together, um, visited you guys last week, and enjoy being here. So my goal today is big. My, my goal would be that we would all walk away with a bigger picture of who God truly is. Like My prayer is that we would walk away, my prayer has been this week, that we would walk away with a higher view of God and who he, like who scripture describes him as truly being and who he truly absolutely is. But then also that, that we ourselves would see ourselves as we truly are. Okay, and that, that's, that's the hard part because what we're going to talk about today is the doctrine of sin. So it's not an easy topic. Um, Pastor Matt, I, you know, I asked, I'm used to, if I do teach, I teach from scripture and it's usually like hey Caden this is what we're going to look at today can you teach this and so I'm not used to kind of he, he just kind of opened it up and said man whatever whatever God puts on your heart and um, so I'm not used to this but I'm, I'm, I feel like the Lord was, was leading me to talk about the doctrine of sin so I'm starting out behind already on achieving my goal because the doctrine of sin that we all have in us is going to work against, is going to be actively working against the entire time while I'm trying to help us see ourselves as sinful as we truly are. It's going to be working against that. Okay? So I'm absolutely in complete need of God to do a miracle in your heart so that you would walk away seeing yourself as small as you truly are and seeing God as big and beautiful and amazing and sovereign and excellent and holy and just as he truly is. A. W. Pink is a author born in the late 1800s, um, made famous really after his death in the mid-1900s, author, theologian, excellent writer. Highly recommend any of his writings. This is what he said about the doctrine of sin. Okay, He said, until we really behold the horror of the pit in which we by nature lie, 
We can never properly appreciate Christ's great salvation. In man's fallen condition, we have the awful disease for which divine redemption is the only cure. And our estimation and valuation of the provisions of divine grace will necessarily be modified in proportion as we modify the need it was meant to meet. That sounds a little Puritanish and hard to understand, but just in layman's terms, the the gap by which God clothes with Christ, you you will appreciate and worship God in proportion to the the size of the gap that you see that Christ clothes with His death. Does that make sense? So, like, um, if I get a cut on my arm and I go to the doctor and they sew me up. I'm I'm glad that the doctor knows how to, you know, sew me up, but you know, I, I probably would have been all right even if the doctor wouldn't have done that. I could have, you know, made do with some neosporin and bandages. But if uh if I'm in a car accident and my brain is bleeding and my body is crushed and the doctor needs to perform heart surgery on me because I'm dying. I'm much more appreciative of of that doctor's skill and his education, right? <clears throat> Matt did a great job last week uh, talking about the hospitable Savior, our hospitable God. Would you pray with me? God, I come to you this morning. I pray that you would do a work in me. God, would you use your servant? Would you use my words, God, my fallen words? Would you use them to enlighten hearts, to see the magnificent glory of who you are, God? I pray that that, that your hospitableness would be magnified as we see the depths of our sin and the loving God who came and wrapped us up and invited us in to his family. God, do that in us, I pray. Amen. So we've all been to the doctor, to the to the hospital. We've, uh, you know, we know the kind of the, the way things go. You go, you sign in. You, you go to the waiting, I mean, not, yeah, the waiting room is first. So you sign in, you go to the waiting room, and, um, you know, you sit there. Like you, you expect to be there a little bit, a couple hours at, at, um, at best. And, and then the nurse opens the door, and um, you, you get back to, to the room. And so, you, you know, you text your, your husband or your wife, I'm, I'm back. They, you know, they, they put me in a room. So it's kind of like these, these levels that you're going through. Um, you know, they, they start taking your vitals and get your height and weight. And uh, then you're sitting in your room kind of just waiting. And you're, you're always kind of expecting the next time the doors open, you know, the big man's going to walk in. And uh, I'm always, like, expecting, like, at any moment the doctor's going to walk in. But it's always, like, another couple hours. Uh, no indictment on, on, on you, David. <laughs> um, it's just true. Um 
No, but the doctor walks in, so he, he asks you, so what's going on? You give him kind of the, the symptoms. He gives you a diagnosis. I think I'm using the right words. And then, you know, he tells you what you need, some, some medicine or, or whatever it is that's going to help you. So um, as, we, as you're turning to Romans 3, that's where we're going to kind of drop in today. Um, we have Paul explaining in Romans 3. He's, he's, he's kind of showing the symptoms of all of us, okay? What he's been doing in Romans 1 and 2 is he's been really given us an indictment, given humanity an indictment, a diagnosis of, of our own hearts and where we are. Um, he... <laughs> he He's he's focusing in on on the Jews and the Gentiles in, in these in these scriptures, but Paul has in mind here. He has all of humankind in mind, and and more, and, and even more than that, God, you know, definitely has in view us reading these scriptures two thousand years later, and and seeing this indictment on ourselves. So as we read, don't don't think of. This is being to the Jews or to the Gentiles. This is to you and I. These, this is my heart that Paul is going to explain here. We're in Romans 3, starting in verse 9. And here we go. This is God's holy, inspired word. He says, no, not at all. For we have already charged that both... That, that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. So, so Paul's going to begin to quote Scripture from the Old Testament. So we have Paul, who's writing Scripture, quoting Scripture. This is like a double whammy. He's parlaying this thing. So here we go. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have all become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom, the venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It's an indictment on all of us. Like the very fact that we, the very, the very truth of this doctrine of sin that that is in us is made evident by the fact that when 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 we start reading things like this, and or, or maybe we hear a preacher preaching or talking about what. Uh, you know certain sins we we try to we try to duck and dodge out from underneath it so we're like well my my feet, my feet aren't swift to shed blood you know my I, I don't cuss you know my mouth isn't an open grave no don't do that today sit sit underneath sit underneath the weight of what Paul's saying he's saying you're a sinner like own that We're going to talk about sin. 
we're going to talk about how how wide of a gap God closed when when he sent his son <clears throat> so this is what this is what pink says about how bad we really are like we're all here in church let's be honest with each other like how bad are we really Pink says it like this. He says, The fact is that it is impossible to exaggerate in human language the darkness and pollution of man's heart or to describe the misery and utter helplessness of a condition such as the word of truth describes. That sounds hopeless. Jeremiah 17.9. This is Old Testament. As I kind of pick these verses out, feel free to write them down, go home, um, look at them. I'm not taking these verses out of context, but hold me accountable. Don't believe me just because I'm up here with the mic on. I told you I'm not a preacher. Um, but, but here goes Jeremiah 17, 9. It says, The heart is deceitful in all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's what, that's what this scripture says about our hearts. It's desperately deceitful and desperately sick. So I always kind of chuckle when I hear people say, just follow your heart. I'm like, that ain't going to end up good, bro. You know, that's your heart is just desperately sick. Um, if you, yeah, don't give that advice. Um, Ephesians 2 describes this as, and, and Pastor Matt talked about it last week, being dead in our sins and trespasses, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's you and me. We all live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We're going to start with a, um, a definition that a guy gives. His, his name is Wayne Grudem, contemporary theologian and author. Um, so I, I, I'm standing on good ground here <clears throat> as I quote uh, Wayne Grudem. He says, Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, in attitude, or in nature. So in act, in attitude, in nature, we're going to kind of flesh those out in act, real easy to describe the act of sin. Uh, it's, it's visible, you know, um, idolatry. If you're worshiping um, an image like a golden calf, it's, it's easy to identify, you know, murder. It's, it's not hard to, to, you know, put your finger on the act of sin. That's, that's absolutely a sin that is against God's moral law that he has set, right? So we have... You know, the Ten Commandments, for instance, adultery, um, these things that are real easy to identify. I want to back up for a second because the very fact that God, who created all things and holds all things together, if, if this definition is true, that if sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God, then... It's absolutely important, extremely important that we look at and learn to identify what is sin in us. Because we serve a God who holds all things together, whose words 
are true and right and good. So let's, let's, let's keep looking. I said act. Um, Grudem said conform, a failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, in attitude, or in nature. So we talked about act. We're going to look at attitude. It's a little harder. It's a little deeper in here. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 27 and 28. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. The act of adultery, right? But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, so Jesus is saying, like, when you look at a, the opposite sex with lust, that he sees that, God sees that, as you actually doing the act. It's, it's, it's deeper. Like, we, it's hard to get out, get out from underneath that one. We, we, may, we may escape and say, I'm, I'm not an adulterer, or I, I, don't, I don't worship idols. It's a heart issue. Furthermore, in Matthew five twenty one and 22, it says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You should not commit murder. You've heard this one. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, Jesus is saying this, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Wait a second. Angry with his brother? Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Wait, am I reading that right? Everyone who says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. This is a different standard than we put ourselves in. Idolatry. We're all free of that, right? Like we've never worshipped um, golden calves. Um, what I'd ask you, and th the way I want to examine my heart is to say, like, have you ever eaten really good Mexican food? Being from here, I know you have. Um, have you ever eaten that good Mexican food and not given thanks to God? Have you done it more than once in a row? Like, because I think that what's going on there is that the, the Mexican food that God created for his glory, for you to eat and enjoy and look back to God and say, thank you, God. Thank you for that. Um, your worship is terminating on enchiladas like it's not I'm not trying to be funny like it just ends with the food that you just ate I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty like it is this is not for you to feel condemnation as much as it is me saying look you're broken you're more broken than you even realize God help us see that. Act, attitude, and nature. Remember the third one is nature. So we have act. It's kind of real easy. Attitude is a little deeper. And then we have this word nature. Inherited sin. 
people call it original sin, that because Adam sinned, our father, Adam, humanity's father, um, in some mysterious way that has been passed down to us, the inherited sin of Adam. David says, I'm going to just give you some scripture. David says in Psalm 51.5, Even from my mother's womb, I was sinful. Like, as far back as I can remember, David saying, All I've known is to, to sin. Um, Ephesians 2, again, he says, We were all by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Let me prove it to you. Um, if I turned around and I took a, pic, a selfie with all of us and shot it out to you guys in a text, y'all would all look at the picture, and who would you be looking at? Who would you be looking for? Me? No. I'm looking for me, but you're looking for you. Like, if it's a good picture, it's because you look good, not because anybody else does. In fact, we, we rarely realize anyone else in the picture but ourselves. Like, it is evidence that we love ourselves. Your kids, like, young families in here, and we have a, a, a gamut of ages that have all been around young kids. It's not hard to see that folly and sin is bound up in the hearts of children. Like, you don't have to teach your kids to fight and bite and scream and cry. Like, my kid, like plural S, um, I, I didn't have to teach them to steal from the grocery store for them to steal. Like, if we go to one of their friends' house and they see a toy they like, I have to check their, like, pat them down, literally check their pockets before they leave, or they're, they're going to have something that they've taken away um, from that kid's house. They, they know how to steal, to take things that they want. It's, it's, a, it's a proof, right, that we're all broken. It's the idea, this, this nature idea. This this is this is what really hit home for me. Okay, like it's it's not just the act or the attitude. It's it's the nature. Okay, so when you're sleeping, when you're doing nothing else but sleeping, and you're not even you're not even dreaming. Okay, you're just in a dead cold sleep. Your nature is still sinful against God. It's, it's like, how do you describe being a man? You, you don't. You just, I'm a, I'm a man. Like, I, I'm a boy. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person, you know. It's like, that's just who I am. It's like the pigment of my skin. It's been passed down to me. <clears throat> it's our nature. Sin is our nature. We sin because we're sinners. Like, we, we sin because of our nature, because we... We love to sin. That's why we sin. We're not called sinners because we did this one thing. 
We did that one thing because we already were, right? You get that? <clears throat> so I haven't spent a lot of time talking about God's holiness in comparison to our sinfulness. I don't have a lot of time to, to get into God's holiness, but <clears throat> to even attempt to begin to explain God's perfection, His supreme excellency, And then to try to help us see like how far away we are from God's perfect standard of holiness and, and where we came from, like where, where, where we are as humans like that we've been talking about. Um, Isaiah 64:4 it says, "We have all become." like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are even like polluted garments. So even our best efforts, guys, like even our best efforts, even my best efforts are stained before God. Like we have nothing to point back to. We have nothing to point back to to God to say, look at me, look at what I've done. I should be accepted by you. Sin has stained us to our core. We will never be accepted before God alone. Right? It's the truth. That's what the scripture describes. <laughs> I have to quote this last quote of um, A.W. Pink. This book just rocked my world. He says, There is nothing like a knowledge of this doctrine so well calculated to undeceive vain men and to convict him convict him of the worthlessness of the worthlessness and the rottenness of his own righteousness the worthlessness <laughs> mm. so the cure what is the cure how is this morally perfect unstained god who is unable to be in the presence of sin or sinners ever going to bridge that gap? How is that ever going to be holy as I am holy, the word says? How do we do that with, with, with what we've talked about? God says, stop trying. I got this one. Some me. He sends his son. Jesus lives in the flesh, lives perfectly, obeys God's law perfectly, never says, never does the act of sin, never has an attitude of sin. His nature is not stained by sin. The virgin birth is proof of that, right? He lives perfectly, pleasing all of God's moral demands on all of us. He goes to the cross in full obedience and suffers the penalty, the punishment for my sin and for all those who would believe.
That's what we point back to. That's all we have. Christ is raised again after the third day, proving that his sacrifice was sufficient for God's requirement, proving that all who would trust in that sacrifice would be welcomed in by a hospitable father. As ugly as we were, God takes our sinfulness, he places it on his son as he's dying on the cross, punishes him, takes Christ's righteousness and places it, imputes it to us so that we would be nothing but unstained brides in pure white to our father. What an amazing, amazing thing that God has done. That gap has been closed because of Christ. The gap that we, we can never jump that far. It's like, it's, they say as far as you can see is 10 miles. So like if you're standing here and there's a gap like the size of uh, the Grand Canyon for 10 miles, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to get over there? Like that, Because that's how far we were from God, but farther. But that's all we can see in our, in our finiteness. So are you going to do a running jump? That's that's pathetic, right? Christ closed the gap. Listen, the Bible is clear. It's not merely an acknowledgement of of God that saves us, okay? It's an acknowledgement that we're broken. It's an acknowledgement. It's knowing we are needy. It's knowing that we're prone to wander and going back again and again. Living a life of repentance, a lifestyle of repentance. This isn't just something you did one time in your life. It's something that we walk in daily. God, affect us with that. Help us to know that we are more sinful than we even realize. David prayed that God would help him even know the sins that he doesn't realize he commits. If you are in Christ, if you do trust in this sufficient Savior savior who sacrificed, bore the penalty for your sins, and this old nature that we've talked about has been replaced with the new one, so we're not now only perpetually sinning as we sleep, that God has given you a new nature, the new birth, right? We, we still, it still clings, like we, we drag the old man behind us. We still desire, we still want to follow the prince of the power of the air at times, without a doubt. Like, but if you had, like if, if, if you have trusted in Christ, and you believe that his blood is sufficient to bridge that gap, I encourage you, take time to realize from how far you've been brought in. That alone will 
I shouldn't say that alone. That will glorify God all the more. The, 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 the further you, you see yourself as being brought in by Christ's sacrifice is proportionate to how much you will worship and glorify and love your God. <clears throat> Weep over what he's done. I have a I have a I have a brother that calls me. He'll say it's too good to be true, man. It's too good to be true. But it is. It's too good to be true that he rescued us. But it really is true. God, we love you. We thank you that you are much bigger than we give you credit for. You're much bigger, God, than we realize or understand. You're much more pure and holy. God, help us to stop comparing ourselves to our friends and, and neighbors. God, I pray that the standard would be your holiness, that we would strive for righteousness, knowing that your Son has already bridged the gap, knowing that we can sprint after holiness, because if we fall, we know we are caught by your grace, and we can get back up and go 